either one of these any good? Wow, this is a good movie. It's pretty good. Yeah, well, the director from yesterday doesn't think so. It stinks. You sorry? <laughs> you waste all our film. It's so bad. Well, it is the week between Christmas and New Year's where time has no meaning. <laughs> We're lucky if we know our names, what a day it is. But we do know this. It is time to make lists, and we can do that. We've got our list of the best movies of 2022. And, boy, there's a lot to talk about. And we've got a list of 25. We're going to really focus on the top 10. But welcome in. This is the Screening Room Podcast. She is Hope Madden. He's George Wolf. And we're from madwolf.com, so we'll run through from 25 to 11, right? Very Pretty quickly. Yeah. Just to give an overview, and then we'll dig into the top 10. So, uh, at number 25, we've got a movie that you can see right now on Showtime and on Prime, really set here in Columbus, Ohio, about a local music scene that gets mysterious. It's called Poser at number 25. At number 24, B.J. Novak, the actor. It's his writing and directing debut feature film, kind of a mystery thriller, a little bit of comedy called Vengeance. Yeah, you can see that on Peacock and VOD. That also features probably the best performance from Ashton Kutcher yes. that I've yet yet seen. Enjoyed that. At number 23, oh boy, this is a movie, Tilda Swinton, who we love so much, uh, a movie called Memoria. We'd like to say where you can find it, but it's weird because the, the director is just taking it sort of a traveling road show. Yep. And the best bet is to look at the the website of the film memoria.com they've got locations but it's a it's just a wonderful film about it's it's meditative it's hard to to encapsulate what it's about in just a sentence or two but it is fascinating and of course Tilda Swinton is in, incredible. At number 22 this is showing on Netflix now All Quiet on the Western Front the latest adaptation of that classic work boy this is makes no illusions about the fact that war is hell. And uh, boy, get, get ready. It's a tough watch, but boy, it is an incredible watch at number 22. Number 21, and this one is still in theaters, Luca Guadagnino's Bones and All, an allegorical story about just accepting who you are, no matter how nasty that is. At number 20, currently on Shudder, this is stop-motion animation horror. It's called Mad God from writer-director Phil Tippett. Three decades in the making. It is, you called it, a nightmarish hellscape. It is in, it's an incredible experience. Just get ready because that, that is a good description. A nightmarish hellscape. Mad God on Shutter right now, number 20. And number 19, Glass Onion. Ryan Johnson's latest mystery thriller for Benoit Blanc to unravel. It's so fun. So fun and funny. And who doesn't like a good mystery? And it's on Netflix. It is. At number 18, one of the, the most overlooked, cr- criminally overlooked movies this year on Prime right now. It's called God's Country. A look at the things that divide us. Uh, these issues that sometimes feel small, but they can become chasms very quickly. And it features an Oscar-worthy performance from Thandui Newton. I'm I'm fearful that she's going to get ignored, but if you can find this movie, it is really worth it, and she's incredible. God's Country 18. Number 17 is another one that went criminally underseen. She said it is the story of the New York Times cracking the Harvey Weinstein case. It's incredibly well-written. It's incredibly well-made. Cinematic loved it. And this is on, that is a premium rental right now on Prime. At number 16, also on Prime, Viola Davis and the Woman King. Exceptionally well-made, old-fashioned, historical, epic, and Viola just kicks all manner of it. As you, all as you, manner. As you guessed that she would. Uh, that's at 16. Number 15, one of our favorite filmmakers, Robert Eggers, comes back with a Viking epic that looks glorious. 
Yes, starring Alexander Skarsgård, Nicole Kidman, and Anya Taylor-Joy called The Northman. And it is on Prime. Uh, An animated film at number 14 on Disney Plus, Turning Red, Pixar takes on female adolescence. Man, it's so charming and so smart, and it's it's for... Maybe a little bit older of mm-hmm. an audience, but parents definitely watch it as well. Love Turning Red on Disney Plus right now at 14. Right now on Showtime, you can also get it as a premium prime rental, is X, the horror movie, part of a trilogy. This one is set in the 70s. It's Texas Chainsaw Massacre meets Boogie Nights, and if that appeals to you, you will like it. <laughs> and that's at 13. At number 12, currently on Prime, another animated feature marcel the shell with shoes on just about the most charming thing we've seen since paddington 2 no question and this is jenny slate where they take the project that began on youtube you have to be a stone cold scrooge for this not to warm your heart number 11 this is the movie that made me laugh harder than any other movie this year and maybe it wasn't supposed to the menu black comedy at its best (laughs) love that that's in theater so that's number 11 so before we dig into the top 10 a couple of movies to mention um the batman yes we did like it just not enough um also prey we liked a lot the thing about prey and really why it's not on this list is because we we really 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 pushed the comanche cut yeah. i mean the fact that it was the, the main cut of it is in english for me just took took me right out of it you know it, it, even the the english version is certainly the second best of the Predator films. Oh, I mean, yeah. it's a really yeah, yeah, yeah. fun movie, but yeah, the Comanche cut is so what much. What raises the bar from good to exceptional is if you can have that option. And I think they all do. No, I do, yeah. To the Comanche cut. That's the one where it just totally, the, the world is built completely, mm-hmm. uh, we think. So, liked Prey a lot. Also, uh, Top Gun Maverick, yes. Liked it. The Really, the first, I would say, half an hour, though, is pretty... Uh, uh, some of that early dialogue, but man, well, we had a little we had a little um, section in our written rundown of all the best movies of the year that was called "Movies That Understood the Assignment," and this was number one, al- <laughs> along with RRR at number two. And if you've seen RRR, you know what an a, a, what an incredible experience that is. But Top Gun, I think, as you said at the time, Maverick, it, it's it's better than it has any right to be. Yes, it's a great experience as well, and I fully. Fully expected to be nominated for Best Picture this year. I would be shocked if it didn't get nominated for Best Picture. It's so much better than the original. But just didn't like it as well enough to get on the top 25. So with that, because I'm just thinking those are such big hits, yeah. people are wondering. Yeah, we liked all those three, just not enough. So let's dig into the top 10. This is incredibly a debut feature for writer-director Charlotte Wells. Sophie reflects on the shared joy and private melancholy of a holiday she took with her father 20 years earlier. Memories real and imagined fill the gaps between as she tries to reconcile the father she knew with the man she didn't. It's called After Son. Do you know that you can talk to me about anything? Whatever parties you go to, boys you meet, drugs you take. Dad! Oh my God, what even is that? These are my moves. <laughs> God, that's so embarrassing. That's not embarrassing. You okay through there? I don't know. I guess. I just feel a bit down or something. What do you mean? Don't you ever feel like tired and down and feels like your bones don't work, like you're sinking? You never know where you'll end up, though. You can live wherever you want to live. 
be whoever you want to be. My lord, this is an impressive debut. Yes, it is. And it just gets more impressive as it goes along. The confidence, uh, how assured she is of where she's going and her vision and what she wants to say here just blew me away. Yeah, I mean, two tremendous performances, but also just the way she films things, the way she frames a scene is so perfect for the type of story that she's trying to tell of people who are, they're close, but they're they're not. They want to be, but something is in the way. Yeah, the performances. Uh, Paul Mescal plays uh, the father, and then her his daughter Sophie, played by Frankie Corio. They're both so good, so good. And it's such a med- you know what it reminded me of. I know this is this is heady place to go, but it reminded me of last year at Marion Bad um, from the 1960s. That classic that studied a lot for its narrative, and that you you're not quite sure what's real. Uh, what's imagined, what maybe is revisionist history, and and what is the story that's trying to be told here? Because it's fascinating how the filmmaker uses videotapes Mm -hmm. uh, flashing back to this holiday with current present day as as the, the adult Sophie looking back, and she doesn't spoon feed anything, which is great. And it all leads up to this incredible sequence not only set to the song under pressure yeah. by queen and david bowie but in i think a brilliant stroke it's only set to the vocal track yeah. the music isn't there mm-hmm. and that might sound so well who cares i think it makes a big difference yeah i mean it's a beautiful film beautiful. is what it is it's it's a it's a lovely film the one it reminded me of i think for more obvious reasons was sophia coppola's somewhere yeah um, and and I think that as much as I like that film and I liked it very much, I think this one probably achieves what she was going for a little better. Yeah, I I, I agree with that. Uh, it's it's very similar and just as as with that film, people that like a very telegraphed narrative, you're not going to get that here. But you're going to get a great experience by a, a filmmaker that now just boy talk about Can't wait. putting yourself on the map. Charlotte Wells, what a great debut. Number 10, a movie you can find now as a premium prime rental, After Sun. At number 9, a crime drama mystery. A detective investigating a man's death in the mountains meets the dead man's mysterious wife in the course of his dogged sleuthing. Decision to leave. So Park Chan-wook, stoker, old boy, handmaiden, see everything he's ever made, see every single thing. And I have to laugh because I immediately think of this meme where somebody made a, a picture of Christopher from The Sopranos and the caption is, so T, it's called Decision to Leave and it's about this chick that's so hot she makes a cop forget how to solve crimes. <laughs> <laughs> And that is well, that is about yes. it. <laughs> <laughs> but this is so fascinating the way he tells the story. The performances are fantastic, especially uh, Tang Wee or Wei as Song So Ray, uh, the the wife in question. She's fantastic. This way, this just twists and turns, and it leads to. We've said this before. This has been a fantastic year in all genres for final shots. Oh final, my. Final few seconds yep. that leave you one. Boy, the one here is oh one my. of the best. You leave going, holy crap. You just keep replaying it in your mind what this means for the future of these characters, the way they leave it. And it's it's just a wonderful experience from a 
filmmaker that we've liked for years. But Loved. this, yeah, but this is, seems not that it was out of left field, but man, for him to have mastery of this sort of film is just great to see. Yeah, it really is, and and I think that this is finally a mainstream enough effort for the Academy to take notice because honestly, it breaks my heart that Park Chan Wook doesn't have an Oscar yet, and now I feel like. Uh, it seems to me that this may be the front runner, and if it's not, I'm mad. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, exactly right. Uh, so enjoyable, and and as the layers, you know, we we alluded to it a little bit with Knives Out. They that is a much more of a a comedy, a comedic way to do it. Peel back layers of mystery. This one is a very more uh, dramatic and noir type of way yeah. of doing it. But still, when you get into those layers of the story and things you thought you knew about the characters, but you don't really, and how it all ties in, just wonderful. Amazing. Wonderful storytelling. Number nine is available now on Prime and Mubi. It's Decision to Leave. And number eight is a movie that has not yet opened in wide release, but opened in major markets just in time to be considered for awards nominations. And it's a drama about doing nothing or staying and fighting or leaving. In 2010, the women of an isolated religious community grapple with reconciling a brutal reality with their faith. It's the latest from writer-director Sarah Pauly, Women Talking. It is a part of our faith to forgive. We will be forced to leave the colonies if we do not forgive these men. None of you will listen to reason. We know that we've not imagined these attacks. We know that we are bruised and terrified. We have been preyed upon like animals. Maybe we should respond like animals. How would you feel if in your entire life it never mattered what you thought? We've liberated ourselves. We will have to ask ourselves who we are. Boy, Sarah Polly. So good. Everything. You know, uh, her film, her documentary, Stories We Tell, oh. I would put it in my top five all-time favorite documentaries. What a great documentary. Just remarkable. You know, when she was known mainly all the way back to a, when she was a child yeah. um, in Baron Munchausen as a, as a child star and actor. And then she, I think her debut film was away from her. Yes, so as a filmmaker. Good. Oh my yeah. God, so good. Yeah. And then stories we tell. And she had been, she had not been uh, directing, uh, making any films for a while. And the an interview that I just read with her said that she was aware of this book, and she she saw that uh, Frances McDormand was one of the people involved in getting the rights to the book, and she was going to contact her about it and they contacted her first wow nice. because they had her in mind so it, it really came together and she was a perfect choice to uh to put this on the screen Frances mcdormand also has a small part mm-hmm. in it and women talking that's basically what it is yeah it is and it's um you know the the women of this isolated community they have a few days to themselves because the men of the community have gone into town to raise bail money to get released the sexual predators who were finally caught by the women and the women have this amount of time to decide what they're going to do as you said at the beginning are they going to just just stay are they going to stay and fight or are they going to leave and what and you and I both were reminded a bit of 12 angry men because it's it's primarily a conversation among people as they try to come to some sort of consensus. And it's also a theme that we've seen here recently, staying and fight or leaving. We've mm-hmm. seen that in other films, so it reflects on our times as well. This is based on a book by Miriam Toes, and it's and the book is based on a real events from a religious sect in Bolivia, I believe. Not 
you know, not 100% accurate here, but it's based on true events. And it's fascinating as these women talk and the different characters have obviously different viewpoints and some very strongly held viewpoints. What it reveals about religion, what it reveals about sexual power and oppression. And I think it's really turned into a a cinematic experience that's really just based in in dialogue uh, by Sarah Pauly that's very, very effective through these tremendous performances and through a very nuanced way of of telling or, or of presenting what these women are talking about. And the other thing that I loved so much about this movie is that is the respect the movie has for these women and not for yeah. them as women, yeah. not only and not just for their bodies and not just for the for their faith. And I think very often it, this is what faith based movies ought to look like, right. because it is not about forcing other people to do what you think is right. It is about talking about how your faith needs to help you decide what is right for you. And it was beautifully done. Yeah, that is a huge point, a very important point. And yeah, one that's a very important part of this movie. Again, it opens in wide release January 6th. Be on the lookout for this one, especially at award season as well, because I expect some. I hope Uh, so. Yeah, me too. This is called Women Talking. At number seven, a film that is still available in select theaters, but it's also available as a premium prime rental. Growing up in post-World War II era Arizona, young Sammy Fableman aspires to become a filmmaker as he reaches adolescence, but soon discovers a shattering family secret and explores how the power of films can help him see the truth. It is Steven Spielberg's The Fablemans. You dismiss what he does that's playful or imaginative. You could afford to be a little encouraging. She should have been a concert piano player. What she got in her heart is what you got. You can't just love something, you also have to take care of it. It's more important than your hobby. Can you stop calling it a hobby? Family, art, it'll tear you in two. You stop making movies, it'll break your mother's heart. I don't know what to do anymore. You do what your heart says you have to. What was your favorite part? There's a great story here. I mean, a really lovely narrative, beautifully told. But for, I think, an awful lot of people, what's most fascinating about this is to watch Steven Spielberg explain how he becomes the filmmaker Steven Spielberg and how all of the little magical sort of tendencies that he has that you know from movies you've seen your whole life, like E.T. and Raiders of the Lost Ark and Just, how those little tendencies that make him who he is came about. And for for film fanatics, it's fascinating. It really is. And this is another theme that we've seen from filmmakers recently looking back, taking stock of their lives and the events we've been through the past few years. You can certainly understand that. A lot of people have been doing that and taking stock of their their art and uh, what brought them to the place that they that they are now. And of course, Steven Spielberg, maybe the most or one of the most celebrated filmmakers ever, um, brings even more attention, more interest to the fact of how he's telling his story. And uh, it is. It's it's beautifully presented. Yes, you, there certainly has some some moments that are classic Spielberg. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, boy, it's the way he tells the story and shares some family, you know, dirty laundry. Let's say, um, is is wonderful. It's wonderful how it plays out and how he treats his own upbringing and and his family. That features some 
great performances. Michelle Williams as basically his mother. Oh, yeah. Now, Paul Dano as his father. Yeah. Uh, Seth Rogen as a family friend. And the young the youngster that plays uh, Sammy, basically Steven Spielberg, named Gabriel LaBelle, who I wasn't familiar with. No, but he's uh, quite very good. Very good, yeah. Very, it's... very good. Judd Hirsch oh, yeah, in a small yeah. but, but ferocious role. It's just a stunning film. And also, props to Tony Kushner, who has been... Spielberg's co-writer here on a few projects recently, and I think he really brings something. I think you you look at back at the work that they've done together, and I think he's an important part of this as well, especially when you're dealing with your own life. Yeah, that's got to you know, be. You yeah. need you need someone an outside an outside influence to sort of maybe guide you away from too much self-indulgence or maybe just a different hand, a different sounding board. And I think Tony Kushner is important to that. It's is an important piece of that. And of course, the chef's kiss is having David Lynch on to play John Ford. That is a stitch. <laughs> Not only that, that reminds me of, speaking of final shots, the final oh, yeah. little... Perfect. We're not going to spoil it, but I laughed out yeah. loud. And yeah. I, it's one of those that you have to be ready for because it might go by a little too quickly, but after the scene with David Lynch, be ready for a little visual coup de gras, and it's <laughs> wonderful. I, I laughed out loud. But this, this is warm and honest, and, and yeah, if you're a film fan and especially want to want to share the, the joy of inspiration and art and following your creative spark, this is a, a wonderful story about all of that, and it is The Fablements from Steven Spielberg. Just outside the top five now at number six, an action-adventure comedy. An aging Chinese immigrant is swept up in an insane adventure in which she alone can save the world by exploring other universes, connecting with the lives she could have led. It's from the Dan's Everything, Everywhere, All at Once. The universe he speaks of things. is so much bigger you than you realize. Of all the places I could be... I just want to just share with you. Remember our mission concerning the fate of every single world of our infinite multiverse. There is no way I am the Evelyn you are looking for. Every rejection, every disappointment has led you here to this moment. Don't let anything distract you from it. I miss the original IMDb synopsis, which was a middle-aged immigrant woman struggles to do her taxes. That made me laugh. That's almost like every now and then you see it pop up on, on social media where people ask other people to badly explain your yes. favorite movie. But I don't I don't think that's badly. No, that's, that's great. Accurate. Oh yeah, I loved it. I loved it. And this this is a movie that's the front runner for I think all the Oscars in every category. This is a front runner actress for supporting actor for supporting actress for screenplay. It's charming. It is as charming as it can possibly be. It's as unexpected as it can be. It's funny, it's sweet, it's sad. I loved it. Yeah, and it's really hard to explain where the where the plot goes. But but just know the the diff, the uh, crisscrossing universes is a big part of that, yeah. and and lives you could have led. But right at the top, Michelle Yeoh 
Yeah, I think she's is she a shoe in for a nomination? I would think so. I would think so. She's been so. celebrated this year and and with good reason. And it's got a great ensemble. Jamie Lee Curtis, fantastic. K.Y. Kwan, who uh, has gotten a lot of attention because he seemed to have disappeared since he was short round. Right. And now he's back. And I think he is a front runner for a supporting role nomination as yeah. well. Yeah. No, I think he's you're right. Great. And you know, honestly, Jamie Lee Curtis is in the is yeah. in the short list for for a supporting nomination. And the court and the the great James Hong, who's oh, been on yeah. he's been on two hundred and fifty three films. <laughs> It's just a, it's a great ensemble and a great vision. And the Dans, uh, Dan Kwan and Daniel Schweinert, I think this is their most assured and most complete vision. I think you're right. Yeah. Uh, one that is as crazy as it is, I think it's also the most accessible. Because when you go back to something like Swiss Army Man, mm-hmm. that was also very high concept, but just... For me, it just didn't it just didn't come together um, like this one does. I think this one is an assured vision, as wild as that vision is. Yeah, it's it's completely nuts, but it's so uh, you know I've yet to meet anyone who did not love this movie. And if I did meet somebody who did not love this movie, I would find them suspicious. And that is available now on Showtime and Amazon Prime at number six. Everything, everywhere, all at once. In at number five, this is an animated family drama you can find now on Netflix. A father's wish magically brings a wooden toy to life in Italy, giving him the chance to care for the child. This is Guillermo del Toro's Pinocchio. The wooden boy with the borrowed soul. While you may have eternal life, your loved ones, they do not. You never know how long you have with someone until they're gone. The boy loves you. Guide him to be good. Stop that! Don't hurt him anymore! You may have no strings, but I control you. Please bring him back to me. Life is such a wonderful gift. Boy, what an engaging experience this is, even more so after the letdown that was the Tom Hanks starring version of Pinocchio. Uh, this one blows that and everything else away. It's stop-motion animation. Gorgeous. It is beautiful. Cinematography, beautiful. The score, One of my favorite scores mm-hmm. of the year. And the way that Del Toro and the co-director Mark Gustafson Who's and, also the animator. Yeah, the, also the animator the and, and uh, Del Toro's co-writer, Patrick McHale. Take this story that we all probably know pretty well from the Disney's, the Disney versions, and give it more depth. It's just, it's just staggering. Yeah, I think the biggest thing for me, once you get into it, is that the theme of the original Pinocchio that you're familiar with is about obedience. It is a cautionary tale about obedience but it's telling you to obey. This one is also a cautionary tale about obedience, <laughs> yes. and it is telling you not to obey. Right. And that obviously changes everything. But he populates that theme with the most fantastic group of weirdos, mm-hmm. the best characters, and, and Ewan McGregor is such a hoot as the cricket, which is Sebastian... Homeowner? Sebastian J. Cricket, homeowner. homeowner. <laughs> He's so Funny and smug. I just loved him to death. And of course, Christoph Waltz, yeah. who is uh, an, an evil, the evil puppeteer who steals him and puts him in his sideshow. He's amazing and in a very Christoph Waltzian way. But the whole vocal cast oh, is, my Lord. as you might imagine, stunning. Yeah, you got Kate Blanchett, Tim Blake Nelson, 
uh, Tilda Swinton, Ron Perlman, Burn Gorman. Burn Gorman. Uh, it's it's a fantastic cast, and as always with with almost all Del Toro films, the heart is on the sleeve. Yep. But in such a wonderful way, he's got something to say here, and as as you say, turns what you think you know about this story, what you have known about this story, on its ear, and giving you a different way to look at it, and a beautiful vision to look at. Uh, sound is incredible. Just everything about it just makes it a, a beautiful, beautiful film. And yeah, the, the the voice cast just adds to it. And it's such a such a treat, such an incredible treat. And available now on Netflix. And somebody asked me the other day. I was talking about this. They had along the way gotten the idea that he was giving it a, a horror bent. And I said, Oh no, 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 no! It's no. a very, it's a, it's serious. Yeah, it's a serious. But no, don't, don't think that this is a no. Some if you sort think about, movie. if you go back to the original Disney, for me, when I watched that as a little kid, there is a, a section Pleasure of that Island, mo- yeah. scared the shit out of me. <laughs> and this one, you know, it's got dark spots, definitely, yeah. but, but, um, no, it's, uh, not, no, it's horror. not horror at all. No, but uh, boy, so, so well worth it. And right there on Netflix. Um, boy, yeah, I would, you know, I'm not going to lie, I would have loved to have seen it on the big screen, as beautiful as this movie is. I but, saw it on yeah, the big I know, screen. you're lucky. But right there, <laughs> as accessible as it is, available on Netflix. Do not miss Guillermo del Toro's Pinocchio at number five. In at number four, a movie that's available as a prime rental right now, our favorite documentary of the year, a cinematic odyssey exploring David Bowie's creative and musical journey from visionary filmmaker Brett Morgan and sanctioned by the Bowie estate, it's Moon Age Daydream. You're aware of a deeper existence. Are you there, Are you there, And you find yourself struggling to comprehend a deep mystery. Ever since I was 16, I was determined to have the greatest adventure that any one person could ever have. Yeah, getting the cooperation and the blessing of the Bowie estate, that was big. And uh, after a series of celebrated documentaries, Jane, Cobain, Montage of Heck, and The Kid Stays in the Picture, uh, Brett Morgan earned the respect, uh, rightly so, of the Bowie estate, and he had complete access to the archives, which is step number one. Step number (laughs) two is what he did with those countless hours of of videos and and concert uh, clips and still photographs and little bits of pop culture that had nothing to do with David Bowie that are that are woven in here. The the editing, uh, which Brett Morgan also right. does, is astounding. This is like no music biography you have ever seen. It's an experience that you really have to uh, to see to to totally appreciate and believe. And the thing, too, is that if anybody deserved that treatment, it was David Bowie. And I think that's what is the most remarkable thing about this is how clearly the filmmaker recognized yes. the treatment that Bowie required. Yep. Um, and the other thing that I love, again, and this is the, is the editing and the overall vision, is how often you'll be looking at one thing, but you'll hear Bowie. And the Bowie that you hear is the elder statesman Bowie looking back on things. Or, you know, it's not the Bowie voice of the time period you're looking at, and it just weaves itself together like we're looking back on his life with him. Right. 
That's what was so impressive because it does not follow a clear chronological order. But as the farther you, at first you think it's just skipping around, but the farther it goes in, like no, it's following a pattern here. Themes, like themes, themes right. that were important to Bowie throughout his right. life. Just let it, just let it wash over you, and you really get a lot of uh, interview footage that has never been seen, probably never been been heard, and Bowie's thoughts on a lot of things that I think by the end of it. You really get a sense like you you knew you know him now right. better and mm-hmm. no matter and we're both pretty big fans. I mean, you really get a sense like you know the man better than you did when you went in, and it's just a, it's, and of course the music is great, um, but it, but it's not just it's not just what he does with Bowie's life, but how he weaves it into the time period that he lived, how he as an artist influenced that time period and right. hand, and how he was influenced by other things it's a it's a great great vision and i i can only i can only guess that the family was ecstatic i, I think the job he did is just beyond beyond expectations of taking all that he was given access to and what he what he did with it i yeah. think it's just an, an incredible incredible vision and yeah editing too i think this has got to be one of the best editing jobs of the year oh absolutely uh, for for brett morgan just another fantastic documentary moon age daydream in at number three a film that's available now on peacock and vod the residents of a lonely gulch in inland california bear witness to an uncanny and chilling discovery writer director is jordan peele's nope Tell me, what did you see in that cloud? Well, it's not what you think. No! They took him. They took him all. I gotta get out this house. I'm trying to save you. My brother is out there. I don't think they take you. If you don't look at it. But don't look, don't look. This dream you're chasing. Where you end up at the top of the mountain. It's the one you never wake up from. You'll be getting a call from my supervisor asking how my service was. Five stars, Angel, five stars. Loved it. Oh, man. And, and like I said before, when we first saw this, and we drove... We had to drive to Cleveland to see it two or three days early, mm-hmm. um, which was well worth it. And right away, as soon as we were done watching it, I wanted to see it again. Yes. And that doesn't happen very often, no. but there's so much to dig into. Not that it isn't fully enjoyable on the first viewing, that it is. It is, but it's so clear that there's more. There's more to go back and experience that you missed the first time, and it's so, so true. This is such a... A step forward in storytelling, in writing and directing for Jordan Peele, and of course we loved Get Out, we loved Us too. Yes, loved. But this is this is he's he's branching out, he's reaching and really stretching his his muscles as far as uh, being a filmmaker here. Well, as you said in the written review, it's a much more expansive film than his first two, and it is so glorious to look at oh my god oh my god you know what he does with color and 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 also sound framing yeah oh my god it's it is really a gorgeous film and and as i keep going back to it's two parallel stories that coincide and the b story which is the story with steven yoon who was a child star and he now owns this kind of a rodeo attraction the b it's the best use of b story 
I can remember. I can't remember the last time I saw a film that did a better job with that. Yeah, I think you're right. Um, not that the A story is weak. It's not. Oh, no, but it's amazing. I kept, I kept going back to that B story because for a, a while while you're watching it, for the very first time, you're thinking, what? What is what's going on yeah. here? Um, the way that it becomes so important to the 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 narrative is just it's just fantastic piece of storytelling and, and the different things that he's commenting on. Um, we talked before about how he opens the film with a Bible passage, and that's no accident. So yeah. look that up easily uh, to do that and figure out what what is what's on his mind there. But also. As you brought up, again, and it's right, it's about the act of filmmaking, yeah. about the, the black experience oh, in the yeah. history of film. Uh, there's there's so much going on that also, I think, very by design, in reading some interviews with Jordan Peele, by design is left up to interpretation, which is great. It is. Also, uh, I think that you, you have to talk about Daniel Kaluuya, oh. um, who I always love to talk about because he's just remarkable in every single thing he does, and also Kiki Palmer. They are so great as siblings. They're so, great. so It's so lived in. She is a live wire, and he is so dialed down, and you can just watch her pop off and you see his face, like just <laughs> nope, I'm not going to engage No, nope, right I see what now. you did I there. Mean, <laughs> they're so perfect They're together. both so good. And the entire ensemble, you mentioned uh, Stephen Yoon. There's a great uh, small part from Keith David, who we love. And then s- sort of comic relief, I guess, Brandon Perea as the guy that gets brought into their attempt to document the things that they're seeing. Oh, and then Michael Wincott, oh, who yeah, I yeah, love yeah. in everything, that voice, that voice. And he plays he plays a filmmaker. And, yeah. it, and it's, I mean, there's it's like... There's nothing. There's not a visual. There's not a, a, a word. There is nothing in this movie that is by accident or is, is, a, is, a, is like a toss-off. I mean, everything yeah. relates to something else in such a beautiful way. It's, again, it's why you want to watch it multiple times. Yeah, and it's not only a great original screenplay, but it's, it's all, there's also fantastic bits of visual storytelling where there doesn't have to be any dialogue, just something that is maybe just a visual cue mm-hmm. that becomes... A, a sign where you know what's coming next. It's just brilliantly done. And I just keep going back to the fact that as good and as assured as his first two films were, this one to me is something else again. He, he's really showing the breadth of his talent. Mm-hmm. That if anyone, was there anyone? I don't know. Is there anyone who still thinks it's a fluke? Because uh, that's, that's a you problem. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> he is so, so good as a filmmaker. And this is just another example of it. And uh, that is, and it actually turned out to be our favorite on our other uh, our other countdown that you can find at MadWolf.com, our, our other podcast, Fright Club. We just got done counting down our favorite horror films of the year. And spoiler, uh, this was number one. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> number three overall for the year, nope. Moving up to number two now. And really, these, these top three were just separated by an eyelash. I'll tell you what, we went back and forth. This is number two, a, a movie that's available now on VOD and on HBO Max. Comedy drama. Two lifelong friends find themselves at an impasse when one abruptly ends their relationship with alarming consequences for both of them. The latest from writer-director Martin McDonough, The Banshees of Inishirin. If you don't stop talking to me... Colin! And if you don't stop bothering me, I have a set of shears at home. And each time you bother me from this day on, I'll take those shears and I'll take one of my fingers off with them. And I'll give that finger to you until I have no fingers left. Does this make things clearer to you? Not really, no. Starting from now. But shush like, Polly. You know, shush like. Yeah, I'd shush like. Let's just call it quits. We won't call it quits. We'll call it the start.
Love Martin McDonough. Always love everything he does. This movie is so much better than anything he's ever done. And he's an That's Oscar winner. That's saying something. It is. Yeah. It's really saying something. This movie is next to perfect. We go back to In Bruges, mm-hmm. which reunites oh, the yeah. actors there. We've got Colin Farrell back with uh, Brendan Gleeson, uh, In Bruges, and then, of course, the Oscar winner, Three Billboards. Mm-hmm. But yeah, I think you're right. This is this is such an interesting story, uh, brilliantly told, and one of our favorite taglines, maybe our favorite tagline in years, everything was all right yesterday yep <laughs> yeah that is and then all of a sudden everything isn't all right because brendan gleeson des- decides he doesn't want to be friends anymore with colin farrell and that just doesn't sit right with colin farrell at all and they live on a very very small island it is like the 1920s mm-hmm. and the civil war is still going on in ireland and ireland proper of course they are irish but they're on this little island and so you know it's a very small community and something like this has big repercussions but brendan gleeson's character is just kind of He's he's feeling his age and he realizes he wastes a lot of his time that he could be spending doing something important like making music, mm-hmm. talking to this boring friend all day long <laughs> about his donkey Jenny and, her, <laughs> and what, whether she's pooping. Hey, that donkey is important it to is, Colin Farrell, yeah. as we find out later. Mm-hmm. But And it's another great ensemble. Uh, Carrie Condon, Barry Keegan, oh, yeah. both award-worthy. Yeah. They are great and heartbreaking oh, my God. In, in some scenes. And it's it's wonderfully funny. It's not outright, as outright funny as in Bruges. Right. But it's definitely funny. Oh, there's a there's a scene in a confessional where I laughed out loud. Yeah. Oh, for sure. It's very, it's dryly <laughs> funny. Brendan Gleeson, he's one of the greatest actors that has ever been. He's so magnificent. So but it's Colin Farrell in this one. His his the arc of this character, the tenderness and the realizations that he comes to, he's sweet and melancholy and you root for him and it's heartbreaking and funny he's amazing yeah i think he's going to win the oscar i think yeah he's right there between uh, him and and brendan frazier i think they've got to be the the front runners right now but uh, a wonderful script just a wonderful script especially the way you mentioned the the time stamp 1920s irish civil war is really a big thread of this a metaphorical thread what he's dealing with the 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 war between these two friends or ex-friends um, I think he's commenting on the uh, the Irish Civil War mm-hmm. and and things that were going down at the time, but he's doing it in such a an offhand way that it might be easy to to forget it. Really, yeah. he's does he's not forceful about it at all. But I think the time setting is very very intentional. It's so nice to get movies like this when you hear sometimes that tired argument about all oh, all there is out there is sequels and superhero films. No. There are movies like this mm-hmm. and like a lot of the films that we've talked about so far mm-hmm. in this in this podcast. They're so great and such great examples of storytelling that please seek them out and then they'll make more of them. Uh, and this is number 2, The Banshees of Inisherin. And sitting at the top for 2022 at number one, a drama that's available now at select movie theaters and is a premium prime rental. It's set in the international world of Western classical music. The film centers on Lydia Tarr, widely considered one of the greatest living composer-conductors and first ever female music director of a major German orchestra. The latest for writer-director Todd Field and starring Kate Blanchett, it's Tarr. We have a problem. There's no reason to get caught up in any intrigue. I'm worried. She's starting to disappear into herself. You want to dance the mask? You must service the composer. You've got to supplement yourself. Your ego and, yes, your identity. 
You must, in fact, stand in front of the public and God and obliterate yourself. I believe this was our only five-star review this year, although it, I suppose Anna Sharon might have also been five stars. This movie is, I, can't, I cannot think of any uh, flaws in it. <sighs> the, the screenplay alone, mm-hmm. when, when you let it unfurl and all the different themes work on you, and now after reading some, some different interpretations of this movie, got to go back and see it again yeah. with a different eyeball. It's just it's just fantastic. Todd Field, if you don't know, go go you know go all the way back to the movie Eyes Wide Shut, okay? <laughs> if you've seen that, do you remember Nick Nightingale, the piano player? That was Todd Field, the actor. Since then, he has gone on to filmmaking and I think I read an interview where of course, the all-knowing, all-seeing uh, Tom Cruise um it advised him to go into filmmaking that he would be a good filmmaker. He's he was a, correct. He's a very good filmmaker. Yeah. So In the Bedroom, which was an amazing film, and then Little Children, which is one of my all-time favorite films. And then, uh, so he takes a big break in between, because mm-hmm. that's been about 13 years. Yeah. But this movie, as you said, it starts with the screenplay, which is perfect. It is a perfect screenplay. And one of the things, so it's a, it's a film that looks at cancel culture and power and the sort of the insidious nature of power. The fact that the predator in the film is female- mm-hmm. It complicates the narrative so much. You, it, there's no knee jerk. You don't know where your where your loyalties lie. Is a brilliant stroke because um, he just sort of pulls you into this, and you think you're siding one way, and then are you really siding another way? And it helps you see your own preconceived notions. Mm-hmm. It is aided immeasurably, of course, by a in, an absolutely flawless perfect turn from one of the all-time greatest actors she is so good that it makes me think as many great actors as there are right now and as many that we've have you know praised over and over like a tilda swinton yeah i i just i can't imagine anyone else playing this part kate blanchett is so so perfect in this role it's just beyond comprehension that i'm not and i know someone else could but she owns this role so much that you know this woman, you understand when she says a certain line to someone in conversation that she means something totally opposite, but yet she's not giving it away in a forceful nature. It's brilliant. It is brilliant, especially when you think about, yeah, cancer culture, and you think about the fact that uh, during the uh, making of In the Bedroom, Todd Field has said that he all he considered giving up the film business because of his experience with Harvey Weinstein. Mm-hmm. So you have to think that came into play oh, sure. with this. But then there's another thread about it possi- possibly being some sort of gothic ghost story. Mm-hmm. I love that theory. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So that just invites another... Viewing, and vi- I can't wait to watch another it Another viewing, exactly. Another great ensemble cast, some fantastic support work, including uh, Naomi Merlant, who you might remember from Portrait of a Lady on Fire. So good. And a, a great look, more great cinematography, and, <gasps> Beautiful. A, and an assured way of storytelling, uh, pace of storytelling from Todd Field. It's not, it's it's over two hours, mm-hmm. but boy, it feels like it needs to be. The way these events follow each other and the experience that uh, Lydia goes through in her arc here from big success of the Mahler's Fifth Symphony to what follows after it's uh, and how she's constantly trying to have control of every little bit of her existence, not only her part, but other people as well, mm-hmm. everyone in her orbit. She's she's someone who may be talking to you, but her ears are 
on someone in the other part of the room who may be saying something that is contradicting some facet of her constructed personality. Um, It's fascinating. It's a film, too. And we like films that um, assume you are an adult and you are paying attention. And that this is that it's it's not a great movie to sort of turn on and, and you know, do your laundry no, and pop in and pop no, out no, of. No, I mean, no, if, no. You're, if you're not if you don't have the patience to really pay attention to it, you're going to walk away from, from it going whatever. Yeah. You know, it's but if you if you do invest in actually paying attention to this movie, it more than rewards you for that. Totally agree. This is not one to just come at half-assed. you got to go whole ass. <laughs> whole ass. Whole ass <laughs> into this movie. But uh, it, it will reward you. It is select theaters. And again, uh, we, we're always pushing the big screen experience. But this one will reward it as well. Visually, uh, for, for sound. Oh, because yeah. there's a lot. That's the other thing. Oh, yeah, I was waiting. Yes, I would have been so mad at myself for forgetting about that. Because the character is her life is so steeped in music. Music is a big part of this movie, but the only music in this movie is diegetic music, which is music that the characters hear. There's no score other, outside of that. It's only the music that is involved in her world, which fits perfectly with the kind of character that she is. So that was another just brilliant touch by Todd Field, and I don't hope he doesn't wait another, what, 13 no, years or so? me too. Because, man... Man, what a great job. And that is number one on our list of the top films of 2022. It is Tar. What do you think? You think you saw it? It was a big snooze fest? All right. Let's, let's talk about that. <laughs> I, I hope not. Uh, but uh, let us know. We'd love to talk about that. Anything that you love for this year. I'll keep the conversation going. Easy to do. Find us on Twitter. It's at MadWolf, M-A-D-D-W-O-L-F. Also on Facebook and Instagram, it's Mad Wolf Columbus. And the main website where you can find all of our written reviews and our other podcast we were talking about a little bit earlier called Fright Club, where we just got done counting down the top horror movies of the year. You can find that all at MadWolf.com. So we have hope you've seen some great movies this year. There's been some good ones. And uh, we look forward to, of course, another great year in 2023. And we'll be here talking about them with you every week. So keep in touch if you can. Have a great new year. And until next time, she is Hope Madden. He's George Wolf. And this is the Screening Room Podcast. Happy New Year. I do wish we could chat longer, but I'm having an old friend for dinner. Bye. Okay, everybody, that's a wrap. <laughs> <laughs>